0: Good morning. Um, We are in the middle, so we're on 19b, and we're in the middle of talking about this concept of kavod habrios, which is basically maintaining or preserving the dignity of human beings. And we spoke about whether kavod habrios, maintaining this dignity, trumps a biblical law, and it does it trump a rabbinic law. And what we seem to say is that it does trump a rabbinic law, but it does not trump a biblical law. So now we're at Tashma, the Tufshin, about halfway down, 19b, Yotet um, Amabet, and we will begin. This is a what we're trying to do here is we're going to bring a proof that it would even seem to trump um, biblical law, and then we'll um, give the response. Tashma, so come in here. Damar Rabblazer Bartzalik, would say, "Midalgin Hayinu Algabe Arono Shelmesim." We used to jump over. The coffins of the deceased, in order to greet the kings of Israel. And this was not just true to greet the kings of Israel. Amru, did they say? Rather, it was even to greet um, non Jewish kings. Because if we merit, we will be able to distinguish between the Jewish kings and the non Jewish kings. So in other words, what we see here is we have the, this is a reference to the Kohanim, to a Kohen. Rabbi Lazar Bar Sadok himself was a Kohen, was a priest. And we still see that he came in contact with the dead in order to fulfill the mitzvah, the biblical mitzvah of, in order to, I'm sorry, in order to greet the kings, in order to show respect to a king, so we see that we could, so we see here that we can break a biblical commandment if it means being able to show respect, if it means being able to, if it means be able to um, uphold kavod habriot. So, um, am I? So now, why would we say this? Up until this point, we said that kavod habriot does not trump a biblical law, and here we seem to be saying that it is. So, am I? Why would we say that this would be the case? Shouldn't we say, shouldn't we say that there's no wisdom and no understanding and no counsel before God? Meaning, God, in other words, the concept of kavod habrio, the concept of maintaining human dignity or, or showing respect to others, should not get in the way of the ultimate. No, uh, the ultimate intellect, which is God's, who says that you should not be defiling yourself with, um, with a deceased uh, body. So, what's going on here? Why would this be allowed? Don't we say that you um, that does not trump a biblical law? So, we answer as follows: Kidarava. We're going to answer like Rava, Dama Rava, because Rava used to say, "Devar Torah." According to the Torah, in biblical law, ohel. Oh In the case of a tent over a a corpse, as long as there is a tefach, which is a hand breadth of space, about three inches of space, between the corpse and the tent over it, then what you have is a barrier. What you have is a barrier. In other words, you have this... You have a corpse... And on top of the corpse is either a coffin, is a coffin. And the coffin, the question is, can the coffin be a barrier between the corpse itself and the kohen? And can it stand as a barrier to keep the kohen from becoming ritually impure? So according to Torah law, as long as there is a hand-breadth of space between the corpse and the coffin then the coffin can become a barrier, and the ritual impurity does not spread past the coffin. If there is not a handbreadth of space between the corpse and the coffin, then it does not separate, does not stand as a barrier for the ritual impurity, and somebody that comes near that coffin could become ritually impure. So that's according to biblical law. Verovarono, so further, verovarono, and most coffins, chalal have a handbreadth of space between the top of the coffin and the corpse. So, really, in biblical law, a kohen can come in contact with a coffin because the coffin stands as a barrier to the ritually impure, to the to the uh, to the corpse, and therefore will not be, the kohen will not become ritually impure. The rabbis went ahead. The rabbis decreed that coffins that do have a handbreadth of space will still not stand as a barrier for the ritual impurity because of all the cases of coffins that do not have a handbreadth of space where they cannot stand as a barrier. In other words, the rabbis wanted to make things simpler and therefore just said all coffins do not stand as a barrier. Umishum covered malachim, but because of respect to kings, the rabbis did not maintain their decree in that type of scenario. In a scenario where it's coffins that are standing between you and showing respect to a king, we say the rabbis did not make their decree, and as long as the coffins, which most coffins do, as long as the coffin has a handbreadth of space between the corpse and the top of the coffin itself you are good to go. So we don't have any proof here that kavod, that respecting others, respecting human beings, trumps a biblical law. All we see is that in this scenario, it trumped a rabbinic decree. Now we're going to try to bring another proof that would seem to show us that it does trump a biblical law. Tashma, come in here. Gadol kavod habrios. By the way, we're about two-thirds of the way down. Last word on the line, Tashma. The te- tough shin stands for Tavshma. Come in here. Come in here. a proof. We're going to quote from a Brysa that says as follows. "Gadol Kavod HaBrios, great is respect to others, or human dignity. Shadocha Eslosa says Shabbat Torah, that it is overrides a biblical prohibition. So that's what it seems to say. The Brysa seems to tell us very clearly, but we did not agree on up until now, that Kavod HaBrios comes before a biblical prohibition why should we say this? Lama in Chachma shouldn't we say that there's no wisdom and no understanding and no counsel before God? And if God says to do something, God knows best. And therefore, human dignity, the excuse of human dignity, should not trump a biblical law. So we answer as follows. What was that b'risa referring to that seemed to say that human dignity comes before biblical prohibition? Tirgama Rav Barshava, Kameh de Rav Gahana, so Rav Barshava explained in front of Rav Gahana, Balav de Lo sasur." When we talk about how human dignity trumps a biblical law, we're referring to a specific biblical law, which is Lo sasur. you shall not deviate from, which is the biblical law that teaches us that we must listen to the words of the rabbis, that if the rabbis make a decree, we must listen to them. So what we're saying is, is that the human dignity trumps that law. In other words, it just trumps rabbinic law. It doesn't trump biblical law. It just trumps the one law in the Bible that says that we have to listen to our rabbis decrees. And it's telling us that human dignity comes before a rabbis decrees, rabbinic law. Okay, now we're going to go a little bit further. Um, so the um, so they laughed at him. When Rav Shavah explained Bar-Shavah explained what the Bryce was talking about, they laughed at him. And they said, what are you talking about? The prohibition of you shall not deviate from the words of the sages. That is a Torah law. And if that is a Torah law, then why should it be any different than any other Torah law? Why should human dignity trump this rule in Torah law, in biblical law um, versus any other rule in biblical law. What you're saying doesn't make any sense. Um, amar Rav, Rav Kahana, said, Rav Kahana told those that laughed at him, Raba amar milsa, lo aleha. He explained that a great man has spoken, do not laugh at him, what you did was inappropriate. But what is the answer? All rabbinic law, all words of the rabbis, they based it, all of the rabbinic law is based on the prohibition of lo sasur, you shall not deviate from. And what we're saying here is, is that the sages allowed it. The sages allowed, or the sages um, allowed you to break rabbinic law as long if they for reasons of human dignity. That's basically what's going on here. So what Rav Rav Bar Shaba was saying is not that you can break biblical law. It's just that in scenarios where there is a concern for human dignity, there the rabbi said you can break their law, even though generally their law is based on biblical law, the biblical verse of you shall not deviate. Okay. So what we still see is that human dignity trumps rabbinic law but not biblical law. Now we're going to try to bring another proof to show us that it actually does trump biblical law. Tashma, come in here. The Hisalam Ta mayhem. So this is a law, This is a law with regard to uh, returning a lost object and what it says is as you shall not see the ox of your brother or his sheep go astray and ignore them, return them to your brother. And um, we're going on. We're, we're we're focusing now on the words salam tam mayhem." The words and salam tam mayhem," and you shall you shall not ignore them. Um, is seems to be extra. It doesn't seem to be necessary because all it needed to say is, "You shall not see the ox brother or her sheep." Without returning them. You don't need the extra words, and ignore them. So why do we have the extra word, and ignore them? It's coming to teach you that there are times where you actually could ignore the lost object. You could disregard the lost objects, and then there are times where you cannot. What is the case? If the person is a Kohen, is a priest and the lost object is in a cemetery. A Kohen is biblically not allowed to go into a lost into a cemetery. Oh or the person is old. And it's not within their their dignity to go and return the lost object. O Shaya Maruba michel chavero. Or if the person that sees the lost object has more work than to do than another person, so he'd rather that the other person returns the lost object, so he does not have to stop in the middle of his work. Lekach nemar. So in all those cases, it says ta and disregard them and ignore them. Meaning in those cases, it's all right. It's permitted to not return the lost object and just ignore it. Am I? Now why should that be? Why should that be? We're specifically focusing now on the elder who it's beneath his dignity to return this lost object. And we're asking, why is it all right to ignore it? Why don't we say, uh, Right, so why should the elder not have to return it? Shouldn't we say, Right? Obviously, what we see here is that because it's beneath his respect, beneath his dignity, to return it, we allow him to re- not to return it, even though there's a biblical obligation to return it. That's seemingly what the word, and you shall ignore it, is teaching us. Now, if it's the case that human dignity does not trump a biblical law, then shouldn't we say here, amai? I? Why? Shouldn't we say that there's no wisdom and no understanding and no counsel before God? Why would we allow human dignity? Why would we allow human dignity to to trump the biblical obligation to return the lost object? Rather, it must be that human dignity does trump the biblical obligation. Can trump? Does trump biblical law? So we answer, Shiny hassam, no. That's different. Because there the verse specifically says, there God specifically said, you shall ignore it. That there are times when it's appropriate to ignore it. And one of those times is when it's beneath your dignity. So there, yes, their human dignity overrides the Torah prohibition, but that's just because the Torah set put that loophole in place. Ah, but then we say, But if that's the case, why don't we learn from that verse to all over the Torah and say, just like human dignity trumped that biblical law, so too trumps all biblical laws? So we answer no. We cannot learn from one type of law to another. This was a law when it came to, this was a monetary law. We cannot learn from monetary laws to prohibitions, to general prohibitions. Um, this is a common idea in the Gemara that we cannot learn from different types of laws. So therefore, when it comes to all other biblical law, we will not say that human dignity trumps biblical law. But now we have, seem to have another proof that we want to bring that would seem to show us that human dignity does trump biblical law. Tashma, come in here. We're about uh, seven lines from the bottom. Again, tashma, tough shin, come in here. We're going to bring another proof. And this one's from a, a, from a nazir. A Nazir Nazir is somebody that has to abstain from certain things, and he's not allowed to come in contact with the dead. And the verse says he's not allowed to come in contact with the dead. And then another verse tells us, the next verse tells us, he cannot become impure from his father or his mother or his brother or his sister. So the question is, if the first verse says that he's not allowed to come in contact with any dead body, why do we need to specify these extra relatives? So that's what the Gemara is going to tell us right now. That's what this Bryce is going to tell us. Villa achoso, and to his sister, he cannot become impure. Ma what is this teaching us? Hareshahayaholech lishhodes pischo, This is teaching us as follows that somebody who is going to slaughter his sacrificial, his Pesach sacrificial offering, the lamulas or to circumcise his son, the shoma shames lo and then, as he is going to fulfill those mitzvot, he hears that a relative of his died. <inaudible> so you may have thought that he should return and become ritually impure by dealing with the dead body. Therefore, Amrit loyitame. <inaudible> Therefore, the verse tells us you shall not become impure. The death of a relative does not override um, dealing with the death of a relative does not override um, the involvement in a significant mitzvah the likes of the Pesach offering or circumcising one's son. Now, Now, you may have thought that just as a nauseer, is not allowed to become impure for his relatives. So, so too he cannot become impure to take care of a mace mitzvah. This is a corpse that is a mitzvah, which is a reference to a corpse just lying somewhere with no one to attend to it. Tamalomer, therefore the verse tells us, therefore the verse says, and his sister. It's to his sister that he cannot become impure. Um as long as obviously someone else can attend her burial. Now we're going on to the next page that we'll just read the next page of Mitzvah, but he could become impure for a dead body. Am I? Now why would we say this? Meaning that it seems to be that the human dignity or the dignity of the dead body is trumping the biblical law of a Nazdir not to become ritually impure. Amai, now why would we say this? Le'ima ein chachma Hashem. Shouldn't we say there's no wisdom and no understanding and no counsel before God and that human dignity should not trump a biblical law? So we will stop here for today and we will continue this on Friday morning. have a wonderful day. We'll just uh, quickly review what we did. So basically, we brought several proofs that we thought proved to us that human dignity trumps a biblical law. But basically, all of the answers told us that it only trumps a rabbinic law. And that's where we are up to now. And we're going to continue with this discussion on Friday. Have a wonderful day.